Welcome, welcome, welcome to a football show Thursday edition to all you Titans fans, football fans, and Nashvillians. Of course, been a tough week, uh, but welcome to the show. We do appreciate you guys hanging out, jumping to the comments if you have any questions or want to talk about anything in the world today on the show. Zach Lyons, Braden Gall here with you guys, brought to you by Sinkers and the Kingston Group. We've got a big announcement coming up for you, a really cool idea. Uh, Sinkers is the driving force behind a lot of this, but uh, we got we got a fun event we're going to talk about here in just a second. Um, we're going to get into as sort of, you know, every single team, Zach, feels the need to put out their statement um, on social media about things like the tragedy that happened at the Covenant School. Uh, but I think there's another layer to that conversation that we need to have, uh, in particular about Amy Adams Strunk, the Titans, and some other professional organizations in the city of Nashville. So we'll talk about that. What questions should fans be asking of their teams, I think, is an important thing to talk about today on the show. Um, got a topic about sort of the, the nexus point of the, of the, the, the current situation the Tennessee Titans are in. Can we trace it all the way back to a single moment? This was inspired by the Paul Kaharski podcast. So, uh, make sure you go check that out. Of course, from the 440 sports network football and other F words as well. Make sure you check out that show. You and Mike Herndon, of course, uh, also brought to you by sinkers and bluegrass. You can go check that out. Um, and as, as well as stacking the inbox, Zach, tell everybody about that real quickly. Stacking the inbox.com. Stackintheinbox.com, $4 a month. All my written content is there. Uh, I'm kind of working on something that's pretty big that is going to be... Um, it's going to shed some light on some potential contract news and stuff like that that could be um, pertinent to the Tennessee Titans. So that will be coming up uh, hopefully maybe tomorrow if I can get everything kind of squared away. Would you call it titillating? I would definitely call it titillating, scintillating, it's a uh, spectacular information there. There you have it. Uh, also the Titans, it's kind of hard to track every single meeting and dinner that I, the Tennessee Titans and to, have had. And to be honest, I'm not entirely sure. Cause we got uh, Kenneth crawl in here. So guess, guessing Anthony Richardson may find his way onto the show. Um, we are, neither of us are in Florida. So no, he's not. <laughs> uh, the topic of Anthony it Richardson, very literally the topic of <laughs> Anthony Richardson perhaps will find its way onto the show because uh, we we're going to play a little game of in or out Titans have we have sort of a, an unofficial list of who the Titans are meeting with have met with have talked about or talked to in recent situations throughout this pre-draft process and sort of an in or out uh, Justin Mello of course of the draft network breaking that for example Tyler Scott wide receiver from Cincinnati big play threat speed guy had dinner with the Titans brass the night before his pro date Cincinnati. So we know there's a connection there. Are we in or out on some of these guys that we know have had connections with the Tennessee Titans? Uh, Mike Vrabel, of course, up at the Tennessee Volunteers pro day right now. Ran Carthon down at the Florida pro day as well. So they're out there doing their diligence. So a lot of stuff to get to on the show. Of course, let's get to our announcement, though, because this is all about sinkers, baby. So you guys, if you want to go back and check out Last Thursday's show, when we announced our fantastic partnership with a wonderful locally owned business, Sinkers, award-winning by the, by, by, I might add, same as the Kingston Group, award-winning locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Uh, Sinkers is the reigning defending champs, the number one liquor store in Nashville named by the Nashville scene last year. So they're the defending champs. And this is why, because they just do stuff better. And they are going to provide to our loyal listeners on, on the first round of the NFL draft, April 27th, they are going to host a private exclusive event to watch the draft together as a, a big ass tv in there let me i don't know if we, i know you kind of zoomed on the video but and sometimes stuff doesn't look as big as it does in person and that is a massive massive tv i think it's 80 inches i think i think it's 80 it has to be bigger than that I feel it might like. be bigger than that yeah so I, they, I think it's bigger than that you saw the space we did the show from that space on thursday's episode last week so go check out the space it is a private event space we are going to have a, a private event. It'll be a ticketed event. It's all the proceeds are going to go to charity to, to benefit our kids foundation. Of course, a, a group that I've been involved with for a very, very long time, uh, helping to prevent child sexual abuse here in the city. So our, it'll be a charity event. All the money's going to go to proceeds. There's going to be an open bar, which is very dangerous. There's going to be some food. There's going to be lots of food. We got some trivia and some giveaways and some predictions on the draft. Then we're Zach and I are going to go live from the draft party when the Titans go on the clock at 11. So we got a lot of fun stuff planned, courtesy of Sinkers. They also have a bunch of other cool stuff planned for the summer for you, the listeners. But we need you guys to be loyal listeners. Go to Sinkers, sign up. It's called the in-crowd. It's sort of their, their VIP preferred membership there. Go sign up. Doesn't cost any money or anything. It's all free. 
just tracks your spending habits and gives you free gives you gives you cool stuff. But you kind of have to be a loyal listener, Zach. We 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 haven't exactly decided who's going to get those twenty five tickets yet. Uh, they'll be on sale next week, but I I think you got to be you got to. You kind of have to earn it. You know what I mean? Like you got to right. earn your into the into the event, I think. So yeah, you got you gotta be paying attention. You gotta know when they come up. Cause I don't want to hear any like loyal or any listener come in like, hey, you got any more of those tickets? Well, no, if they're sold out, they're fucking sold out. The computer just told you that. <laughs> well, and here and here's here's the deal. Like our goals, just like Sinker's goals in this event, are to enjoy ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it needs to you can't be a you can't be an asshole, you can't be a rude drunk. And you got well, like, just eliminated like 90% <laughs> of our listeners. I don't, gotta, that, that means I can't go. <laughs> oh, you're harmless. You're harmless. You, you're just all, you're just like, you're, you're like, you're, you're like Huxley. You're just all yap. It's all yap. Um, that's because nobody ever wants to fight the small guy. They're all scared because, you know, we're the scrappy ones. Everybody's really scared. That's true. If every, I say this all the time, if every big dog act like a small dog, there wouldn't be any small dogs. Right. <laughs> um, no, but it's going to be super fun. We're going to have awesome food, open bar. Uh, we're gonna watch the draft together. We got some giveaways we're gonna do for the for the people that are there. But you got to be a loyal listener, like Kenneth, for example, chiming in at one o three p.m. with a comment. Kenneth has a pretty good chance to maybe have access to a ticket. So we know we know who you guys are, the loyal listeners. But rate, review, subscribe, post comments, share the show. The more retweets, the more posts, the more photos we see. The more times you go into sinkers, the more likely you are going to get a chance to get a ticket to that event and help some kids in Middle Tennessee in the process. So um, all for charity and all going to be a lot of fun. So go check that out. Um, speaking of charity. So Amy Adams Strunk, and obviously the the we talked a little bit about the tragedy at Covenant on Monday's episode. It's sort of the story continues to evolve. Um, the you know, there's a huge rally at the Capitol today that's been going on for hours and hours and hours. Uh, a lot of young people out there doing doing good work. Um, but it raised the question because Amy Adams Strunk, uh, it was Steve Cavendish actually broke the story from the Nashville banner that uh, $100,000 will be donated to the, the covenant fund there for the victims' families. Um, we've seen statements from the Predators. We've seen statements from the Titans. We've seen statements from Nashville SC. And I think it raises some important questions about, you know, we on the show on Monday, Zach said, look, we all kind of have agency in this, whether it's five bucks, 10 minutes, one vote, whatever it might be. We all kind of have agency in this. Well, billionaires who are community leaders have a lot more skin in the game than just, you know, sending out a tweet. Um, and I well, think they need, no, they need to put more skin in the game than just sending out a tweet. Let's let's right, be right. honest. The three comma club is not known for its <laughs> philanthropy. No. And and guess I, I that's exactly right. What I meant was. um they are bigger, more powerful, more important pieces of the community. Right. And and therefore carry a greater responsibility. And I think within sports, because I do not think the stick like like while we want to we're going to talk football today on the show a, a lot as well. We, we love talking football. We want to talk football. But sticking to sports is not a thing that's ever really actually existed in this country. Like we sports and society have been inter, permanently interwoven forever. It's never going to not be a thing like. You know, we don't have the civil rights movement without Jackie Robinson playing baseball like Jesse Owens goes to Germany and, you know, Hitler wasn't sticking to sports. Right. Like it it's not a thing that that exists. Um, the Predators have sort of walked the walk to some degree um, pretty openly. They they are extremely active in the community. They, the, the money, the time, the players, but not just that, the organization supporting taking stands on issues that they believe in. Um, that will be interesting to see when Bill Haslam takes over. Uh and the only openly gay NHL player, Luke Prokop, might be on his roster. That will be interesting. Um, Nashville SC, I thought their statement was a little empty and a little hollow considering where John Ingram and the ownership group stands on politics. But Amy Adams-Strunk, she's largely been the most popular person in the city for the better part of, I don't know now, five years, six years. She has done an extraordinary job in rebuilding the community's connection to the Tennessee Titans as an organization. Um, I don't believe the Titans knew she was going to donate $100,000 to this fund. She just sort of did it on her own accord because she thought it was the right thing to do. And it is. It's extraordinary. But the important question is, all right, is there anything else you're doing? Are are you like Nashville SC donating money to people who are, uh, you know, trying to help gun violence or people that are trying to stop gun violence? And I think those are important questions to ask of our ownership of our teams in our city. Yeah, especially when they are all putting out statements that 
the statements read hollow anyway, for the most part. So that, you know, I like you, you asked, you know, did she put out a statement? I said, yeah. And you, you asked some further details and I was like, I don't, I didn't have it. I didn't read it. I just know that they put out a statement, right? You know, every, everybody put out a statement. I mean, it's just, I, I mean, I know football and other F words that Twitter account did put out a statement because we talked about it on the show. So if you're a follower of the show and you've heard me talk about and my stance, I, I mean, I obviously have feel bad and everything, but those statements just don't do anything for me and they don't do anything for the, the, the people that are affected by the violence. They do something for the PR brand of the company. It's a very self, it's really more of a self-serving message to throw out there but what is great and like you you talked about is the 100k that amy adams drunk donated without telling anybody she was donating and then where her money is going beyond that to try and go and support people and support um organizations that are trying to um put an end to the senseless killing of children at schools and that's essentially what is happening yeah, here's our statement on the football show. We are anti-killing of children at schools. Yes. It, it should be bipartisan, right? It should be it shouldn't matter where you stand on whatever issue. It doesn't matter how much you love guns. It doesn't matter. Like we everyone is anti-killing of children at schools. Um now, if you want to know more a little bit more details about this. For example, uh Nashville SC, you know, the the Club and Country podcast, uh, West Bowling Tim Sullivan did a great job sort of laying out why the statement rings hollow for them. And, and it's not just teams, it's, it's business owners as well, right? Like anytime there's a social movement, businesses put out their statement. But like, what are they actually doing behind the scenes on the ground? You can put out a tweet all you want to, but that doesn't mean anything, right? So Nashville SC says, we are devastated by today's horrific school shooting and the thought that these innocent children and staff won't be coming home. Our thoughts and prayers go out to all the victims, their families in the community of Covenant School in this difficult moment. The Preds basically said, you know, largely the same thing. The Titan statement was very short and brief. Um, it was like two sentences. It, they didn't have to like take a screen grab. They just posted it. Um, but again, if you want to know more about why that bothers soccer fans because of ownership stance and where they have donated money and driven legislation that is pro-gun, you can, you can kind of have that debate with yourself as a soccer fan to figure out where you stand on what you think of ownership and this potentially hollow statement. Now, Amy Adams Strunk has not personally said anything, but I, I've done a little digging here and I can tell you she, the, the only thing she donates to um, from a political standpoint is the gridiron pack and the gridiron pack has donated money to both, both sides of the aisle. So it, the NFL is pro business. Let's be very clear on that, but they have donated to both sides of the aisle. And in particular, she has donated to some people who are very anti-gun violence, who are working to fix the gun violence problem. So while she's also donating to people that help with her business, no, which is understandable, right? Um, she has put money towards certain candidates that have, that have a stance on this issue that you and I, Zach, agree with. And the reason we bring that up is to say that she's, she's doing the thing that the statement is saying. Right, yeah, she's walking the walk. She's walking the walk, and I think while and she's I done that her whole career, I mean, here, right? I mean, like, yeah. Um, crap, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name. But when the 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 rash of police violence went, George Floyd, insane, and, and yeah. I think the one up in I believe Missouri or St. Louis or around that area. Um, but Michael, you know, Michael Brown is that right? Whatever. Okay. Yeah. We're getting off tr track here, so let's just keep it on track. Tannehill, you know, there's. I think it, it was my cover photo for the longest time, but Tannehill and almost the entire team were standing delivering a message, uh, speaking out against this violence, speaking out and, you know, preaching unity and all that kind of stuff. So, in, in a sense, like, she's always been one of the first owners to put out statements like this. And, but she's also backing it up. She's investing in the community here. Um, I know that she has done some donations for communities down in Texas as well. And not necessarily just schools and school shootings and stuff like that, but all kinds of different things. And I think it's very important that your owner, specifically a high profile sport like the NFL is constantly doing stuff to help promote the city. This it doesn't just mean the the social implications, but also the economic implications. You know the 
the bringing the draft here, trying to bring events here all the time, trying to put Nashville at the forefront. She cares about this team. She cares about this community, and she also cares about the community that she she lived in and grew up in in Texas. It just she's a one of my favorite. I mean, she's obviously my favorite owner of the Tennessee Titans, but she's one of the best current owners out yeah. there in my. No, when I it completely. Comes to no, and I think Kenneth makes a good point. Like people always say, statements feel hollow. But if an organization doesn't doesn't do it, then they get blasted. Yeah, I mean, it's for, it's a personal for, thing. Like we, I totally sure. understand that. Like I have fucking common sense. I understand why they do it. <laughs> but from a personal standpoint, it rings hollow to me. And if the Tennessee Titans hadn't put out a statement, unless you made me talk about it, Braden, I would never talk about it. Or would never know. Right. And, and so that's Stoney a personal thought, choice. Right. Like 440 Sports didn't put out a statement. Like, but we've talked about it on every single show uh, yeah. across the network this week. And Stoney says it like the tweets can ring performative without action. And that is the key. That is the thing that we're trying to get across here. You don't, we don't have to agree or disagree on every little thing. Um, the, the point is like, and I agree with D Good. Like, I have a stock tweet now that I post after every single stupid ass school shooting that says thoughts and prayers don't do anything anymore. You need action. And so while you can tweet the things, Nashville SC, the Predators, the Titans can tweet the thing. The key is, is that I, I have, and again, if you want to know specific names of campaigns, shoot me a DM and I'll tell you the specific names of campaigns that Amy Adams Strunk has donated to. I've got the information, but I don't want to make it about that. I wanted to make it about anti-kids dying in schools. <laughs> and, and she has done with her money some work to put an effort to stop kids dying in schools. And I think that is that's the that's the part that's important, not the statement that the Titans tweeted. I mean, Derrick Henry put out a, a really thoughtful tweet. Like, it's not about that. It's about what do you actually do when no one's looking? And and I think that's where I think Titans fans should be proud of Amy Adams Strunk. She's again, she's donated to both sides. She runs a giant business and we know why. I mean, again, John Ingram for SC. Bill Haslam's going to take over primary ownership of the Predators. We're going to see how he takes a stand on, for example, LGBT rights when when the first openly gay hockey player may be on his roster and his own track record is sort of anti that. So you got to walk the walk. And Amy Adams Strunk, I think our point here is ask those questions as fans. And then Amy Adams Strunk, I think, as best she can, walks the walk behind the statement, if that makes sense. So yeah. She walks the walk, she talks talk. That's and and I think everything else she's ever she's done. She's a badass. I that's, mean that's pretty much what it all comes down to. Is she's a badass. And, and it shouldn't be a surprise. Like, this yeah. is how she's acted for most of her, her tenure. She was, I mean, let's just be very clear. None of the other old boys wanted her to own the team. <laughs> like, the old boy network didn't want a woman own, owning the team. And she's all she's done is come in and been a badass. So, uh, there you have it. <laughs> so, um, all right. Let's get into, so, uh, Paul Karski podcast out every Wednesday on the 440 Sports Network. And he he, he has a thought about the, the ripple effect and tracing the current situation that the Tennessee Titans are in back to a singular moment. And he kind of mentions a bunch of moments on the pod and, but, but he ends up on the AJ Brown trade. And I will admit that at, at first, when it happened, when you and I went on the air, like that was our first week on the air, I think we went on the air on Monday and I said, look, it's going to be a long time before we know the outcome of this trade, whether it's a win or a loss, whether it was a great decision or a terrible decision, not the, the, the future of the franchise doesn't hinge on this one decision. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm coming around a little bit on that take. I might be pivoting a little bit on that take. I see the argument that right now you have a big contract with Jeffrey Simmons that fans have no that, that their fans are right to not have faith in them getting that deal done. Um Vrabel can't say anything really publicly about Ryan Tannehill right now because he said the thing about AJ Brown last time and that was just, you know, he got <laughs> the carpet pulled out from underneath him on that one. Um can't so you know Vrabel can't commit to anything. Your wide receiver is your biggest need on the team right now, and that's sort of Paul's argument. Where do you fall on the team is in X Y Z situation today? They're in the state they're in today. How did they get here? What is this? Is there a singular moment that you trace back to and say that's the moment that got us to where we are today? Yeah, I mean, I I am very surprised that this is this is n not what you guys th thought first. It's the 2020 draft all day long is how we got to where we're at. You're talking about the worst NFL draft that the Titans have had in a very long time, especially specifically the worst in the Titans era where they have never recovered from it. You did not land on Isaiah Wilson and you have spent 
two additional draft picks on top of Isaiah Wilson trying to fix that problem. You did not find a, a complimentary wide receiver and you let Corey Davis go. And guess what you're doing? You you just keep on rolling and you trade for Julio Jones because you let Corey Davis walk because you didn't draft a wide receiver worth a damn. And then, um, you know, you got Darrington Evans who didn't amount to anything for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, it's just a really, really bad draft. I mean, Christian Fulton, eight. 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. guy that is probably out the door. You can't keep him healthy. He's affected your defense at times when he's not able to play. In fact, he could have maybe uh, he got ran over and got his groin pulled by A.J. Brown. I mean, there's just so much to happen in this draft because of John Robinson's decisions that, to me, have led directly to, I guess, what I would say is we all kind of chalked up the 2020 draft class as oh it's COVID well it was his choice not to adjust to COVID right it was his choice not to adjust in the negotiations for AJ Brown that should have been a sign like to me that is the precursor to why the AJ Brown stuff went away and we just were kind of like oh trust in J-Rob hey I'm one of them hashtag trust in J-Rob yeah me too and and it's because that right then and there that's what you're showing is that we let him slide on 2020 on the media front and kind of just chalked it up to COVID. And that to me is the Nexus event. That is like where if I could go back to a point in time for this franchise, I'd go to that 2020 draft and change every single thing about leading into it and what happened after. So when Skynet became self-aware was the 2020 draft is what we're saying. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's when Skynet became aware um, I, I tend to agree with that. I, I think, you know, man, the, the, the one player hundred million dollar negotiation that goes both ways for teams all across the league all the time. Like, again, look at the chiefs. They got rid of Tyree kill and they won the super bowl. <laughs> so, right. so like, it's not, I don't think that that's how I felt in the moment was that one player will not define this franchise for 15 years. It's just not, unless you are a, a, a franchise quarterback, it's almost impossible for any player to do that. Um, is he the greatest, most talented wide receiver in franchise history? Probably. Would he have been the greatest? Yes. Has it affected Ryan Tannehill's ability? Has it affected the offense's ability? Has it affected you know, how we communicate? Has it affected the faith in the fan base? Again, with the Jeffrey Simmons situation, which we're entering a very almost identical situation with Jeffrey Simmons entering the draft. Like All that is true, but that doesn't change the wins and losses necessarily as much as the one player does. Like I, I think an entire draft class uh, and Fulton had a good, at least one good season. We got to give him credit for that. But I, I think the entire draft class being a complete whiff and to, I think you're right to point out not just the draft class, but what happened because of the draft class, right? Right. It's, it's you mentioned Julio Jones. It's going after Dylan Radins, who also is on the shelf right now. It's, it's the, it's the things that came after that draft class that I think has led to them being in this situation. I do think, AJ Brown was the straw that broke the John Robinson firing back. I do think we all kind of agree on that. Like that one game was like, all right, enough's enough. <laughs> I'm getting dog cussed by the Eagles fans who have AJ Brown going off and they've lost one game all season. We just got our ass kicked. It's time for J Rob to go. Like, I think that was the, it wasn't because of that, but that was the straw that broke the back. So, right. Um, I agree. I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I am curious, and we're going to do a deeper dive into John Robinson's drafting history because they were so good so early, and then it just it just turned into like pure garbage <laughs> for for a couple of years. So we've got some. I, I want to know what what uh, F words Pod thinks of what happened, just just what happened in in the drafting. So we'll dive into. I that told well. you what happened in that drafting. I have said it numerous times. I wrote two or three articles about it. John Robinson told you what happened. They didn't do anything like they, they themselves did not do anything. I, I mean, with I that. Meant it, yeah, no, I know. I know what you mean by specifically 2020. I meant like his track, like his seven year track record yeah. of being like really good, really good, really good, bad, bad, bad. And then actually the 2023 class was or the 2022 class was is actually a is, is ranked in the top 10 by most people looking at rookie draft classes. Yeah. I'll tell you what happened. He didn't want to sign any of his uh, free agents wanted to overpay for everybody else's broken goods. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I think the 2020 class is pretty self-explanatory. I, I'm more curious of like, how did he lose the well, touch? Cause he had what, it for a while. 
Well, I think I think his touch was overrated when you go back in hindsight. Um, yeah. I, I think that when you're talking about, okay, you're talking about his initial draft class, there's three out of 10, right? There's 30% were really good players that are still not- notable in today's NFL. Like, okay, so that's one of his really good, that's considered one of his better classes, and there's only three out of 10. That's 30%. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it's as high as everybody wants to make it out to be. Uh, Titanic says J Rob got lazy. He realized he could sit back and let his top five coach, uh, coach them up and, and, and could hang, hang out on his boat. <laughs> That's it's not that it's not that crazy. It's not that crazy of a take. Um, but I agree with you. I think it's the 2020 draft class. I do think there are some seminal moments in every single franchise's history. And I, I think you can point to a lot of them for every franchise, but it does feel like the 2020 draft class was the begin. Like that was the most important moment for J-Rob's career, and it's what's led us to here. Now, if Tim Kelly's the answer and Rand Carthon's the answer, <laughs> then it got there us to go. a good then it got the Titans fans to to a good place. So right. Um, now you just got to pull yourself out of it, right? Yes. Yes, ex- exactly. That's the job. That's the job of all these guys. Uh Sinkers and the Kingston Group, of course, are great local sponsors. Make sure you check them out. Just Kingston Group, before you make any decisions about your house. Just check them out, buildkg.com. Call them, have a conversation. Just ask them some questions. They'll be happy to help you with whatever you need. Even if you're not going to sign a contract, they will take care of you. Home renovations, selling, buying, whatever it may be, make sure you go to the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Check them out. And Sinkers, again, for those of you who missed the beginning of the show, because a lot of you have, have jumped into the comments here late, draft party exclusive private event at Sinkers coming up. First round, we're going to have giveaways. We're going to have an open bar. We're going to have free food. We're going to have all kinds of cool stuff. All the money for the tickets are going to go to charity. It's going to be a great event. Brought to you, of course, uh, courtesy of Sinkers and their their event space. Uh, but you got to be a, a good commenter. You got to be rating, reviewing, and subscribing. You got to listen to F Words Pod. You got to listen to uh, a football show. And we'll be picking uh, some candidates to, to have access to those tickets here coming up. So we love you guys. And Sinkers wants to give you some really cool stuff. So how about that? So go check out the Sinkers. And if you go and if you go to the store, make sure you sign up. Uh, the in crowd in East Nashville. You got Bluegrass up in Hendersonville. Go go. They got great selection. Big, bright, clean, beautiful remodeled store up there in East. So I shop there almost probably not every day. That's probably a bad thing to say. Um, every every other week. How about that, Zach? I shop there every other week. Um, I like it. So Kingston Group and Sinkers, go check them out. Okay, um, in or out here on some Titans prospects that they are investigating going into the draft. That sounds negative. Um, <laughs> researching, researching, going into the draft. Ex- we, we know Extensive interest has been shown. There you go. I knew you could do it for me. Um, we'll start with Hendon Hooker. I, I just look, we, we've known these teams. We know the Titans are quarterback needy potentially in the future, and they're looking at all of them. They've met with CJ Stroud. We've already talked about that. Um, we'll talk about Levis and Richardson here in a second. We know, you know, they're interested in Bryce Young as well. Um, but Hendon Hooker, they've basically been in contact with Hendon Hooker every step of the way. Every time there's an opportunity to talk with him, they are talking to him. Well, guess and and Ben Arthur, no, no other point. So Ben Arthur today puts out um, that Pat O'Hara and him are talking basically away from everybody while ever whilst other stuff is still going on. It's just him and Pat talking today. You're talking it, it was Hendon Hooker and Pat O'Hara talking. Yes. Hmm. Okay. What so did, Ben's what up. did I say? We were talking well, about Hendon Hooker. It, no, it made it sound like Ben was over there talking to him. <laughs> oh no, I don't care about Ben. Reported it. Gotcha. So why why would Ben make any sense in that context? You're crazy because he's yeah. up at the pro day and oh, chat, yeah, chatting around. Anyway, they've talked to him every step of the way, and O'Hara apparently, according to Ben Arthur, is having extensive conversations with Hendon Hooker. Um, most mock drafts have him. Early second, mid second, maybe he falls to the third. Best case scenario, maybe he goes up higher than that. Mm. What do you make of the interest, the conversation? Is it because he's local? Is it because he's he's easy to easy to access? Because he's uh, maybe a value play against going up to number three pick and drafting someone with some risk. What what is the interest level, and and do you approve of the interest level the Titans have with Hendon Hooker? I approve of the interest level within reason, right? I mean, we're talking about a guy who is more than likely not going to start for a team in 2023. More than likely. Which means that he's another year older without throwing an NFL significant pass. (laughs) And he's an old man. 
And he would be, if your projection, if you're, if the point of drafting a quarterback is to find the guy, if you're, and I know that John Robinson want, just had to draft Luke Falk and Cole McDonald, but I, I don't know why, but he had to. <laughs> I don't. But with at least with Malik Willis, when the draft happened, you're like, okay, this yeah, yeah. sort of makes sense. Okay. With Hooker, he would be the extreme outlier of all outliers. I mean, like, he is going to be what, 27 probably by the time that he throws his first NFL pass in a regular season game. That is insane. That's like, I know uh, Whedon, Brandon Whedon was older when he got drafted, but I mean, this is what you're you're drafting. Now, listen, I think Hooker is the, I think out of all the guys in this draft, nobody is going to work harder for you than, than Hooker. That doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I know that people want to act like that kind of stuff matters, but that really doesn't matter because you just have limitations. And the problem is, is that when you're at this age, the hooker is that you're, you've likely already hit your ceiling. It's if, if you think I'm out on Will Levis about his age, I am at number 11. I am definitely out on a hidden hooker in either of the first two rounds. So just, and, just to be, and, just and to be really, yeah, go ahead. Well, he's, he's, so his birthday is January 13th. He'll turn 26 next. He just turned 25. So he'll he turn 26. He'll turn he'll turn 26 next January. And so therefore, if he doesn't he'll play a single down, yeah. he would be 26 next season, which again is not young. That's um, that's an old man. That's an old man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like that is old man and quarterback. I mean, I wrote about it in the Will Levis column, but there's just so much data. I don't even think there is a 20. I think Skylar Thompson was 26, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he may be 25, but he played for the Dolphins this last year. And he, people start going crazy over him. But let's be honest, it, it's not the same. I think it was Drew Henson also, the Brandon Whedon path, oh where, they played, where they played baseball, then went back to college, uh, and yeah, then got and drafted. Just, yeah. Like, to me, this stuff just doesn't pan out for you. Now, no. If you're talking in the fourth or fifth round, hidden hooker, I'm all in. And I know people are like, oh, that's crazy. He would be, if he was healthy, he would be the number one draft pick in, uh, or not number one, but he'd be going in the first round. He'd be in talks of, listen, if people are going to talk about Will Levis going number one overall or Anthony Richardson going on n- number one overall, hidden hooker would be in that conversation. Let's not well, act like he would not be in that conversation at least. And you don't have to look very far. You just have to look at last year where yeah. all four quarterbacks were rumored to be potential first right. round picks. and. Every one of them, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, and and right. Willis, all fell to the third round. So falling is not crazy. He is projected as the 55th pick in the latest, I think, ESPN mock draft. So again, mid to late second round. I guess I, I'm out on him as a first or second round pick. I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Here's my I, question. Third it would be a hard sell for That's, me. It would be a really hard sell. What if they trade Tannehill and then it's Hooker and... <laughs> <laughs> With oh my extra god third, like extra third round pick you get hooker no and... no hell no i would be totally out on that you you can't start hooker there's no, no way you could start hooker coming off and you okay you shouldn't start hooker there teams would start hooker I, i'm sure but you you shouldn't start hooker because he's coming off an acl like have we learned nothing let's be honest we're talking i i have the utmost respect for hendon hooker I think he was an awesome college quarterback. I think he's a spectacular person. I think he's a great leader. I love everything about him. But if you're trying to tell me that I need to draft a 25-year-old quarterback coming off of an ACL injury, (laughs) it's in a non-friendly pro system, and I need to draft him in the third round and then trade away Ryan Tannehill? No! What are you talking about? Hell, it's a perfect, all, stra- it, it's a great strategy. A 25 year old quarterback with a torn ACL. Listen, if, the plan is, if the plan is to just get Caleb Williams, then <laughs> don't even spend the third round, p- right. third round pick on Hinton Hooker. <laughs> right. Spend it on Clayton Toon. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, I, I listen, I, I voted for Hinton Hooker number two on my Heisman ballot and, and he did not get invited as a top four candidate. I'm with you. Everything you just said about him. I agree with you. I have, have had a lot of conversations with, fellow alumni buddies of mine when they say man first round pick and i'm like i just don't see the throwing ability i don't see nfl caliber throwing i see nfl caliber a lot of things like you just laid out nfl caliber work ethic maturity leadership all these other things i just have never seen it i've never not not against alabama 
not against Georgia, not against South Carolina. I just have never seen a guy that I thought, you know what, that dude is going to be a he's going to dissect NFL defenses. I just I've never seen it. And unless you're going to be on like the nine year plan, like Geno Smith's on, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I mean, I just it's it's really hard for me. Like yeah. I I get the rationale for. I think Mike Tannenbaum is an idiot for putting him at number five. But if you were to tell me the Seattle Seahawks were to end up drafting Hendon Hooker after the first round or at some point in the draft or the Minnesota Vikings, I'd be like, okay, I could see that those make sense. I just don't feel like that makes sense for the state of the roster of the Tennessee Titans, unless it's in the fifth round. The only thing that makes sense is you could sit him behind Tannehill or you could sit him behind Cousins or sit him behind Geno Smith. That's that's yeah. the only thing that makes sense. But, but not but at they're 41. in a position where they can sit him. The t- Tennessee Titans are and and because the Seattle Seahawks have two first round picks, the Minnesota Vikings have a really damn good roster. Right. They're all both in positions to do spend high draft pick on that and do that if they feel that Hinden Hooker is the guy yeah. and they could be the guy next year. And then because Kirk Cousins on his last year of the contract, Geno Smith on the last year of the contract, and hell, it's Ryan Tannehill is too. But the problem is that they need bodies that can play now if yep. you're in the top three picks. The first now, pick. Vrabel's up there, Tennessee, right now, of course. He, with Pat O'Hara, is looking at both Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman. We have no confirmed interest in those two guys, but they're clearly going to watch them. Um, uh, Darnell Wright, though, I saw, and this is crazy, I think the Athletics' most recent mock draft had Darnell Wright going number 11 overall to the Tennessee Titans. Now, he is a very, very good football player, and I think his rise in the draft boards is representative of how good he is. I don't know if he's a starting left tackle in the NFL, though, and I certainly don't know if he's worth the 11th overall pick. Well, I've heard some people say put him at guard. Like I've seen, uh, I think it was, wasn't as pro day, but I I can't remember where I read it, but someone was like, you know, this is a guy that, you know, you could put in at guard. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, if you're going to be okay with Peter Skaronsky as a guard, then you need to be okay with Darnell Wright as a guard technically. But I just, there's something about it. It's like, then people are like, we'll put in PF at guard or put in PF on the left side. He's played the left tackle. I, I just think you just got to stick with NPF being at the right tackle. Like, I think you got to ride it out for at least one more year and see what you got instead of moving around. Cause I don't think that the best, if the, if the point is to find the best starting five, if that is the point is to find the best starting five, don't you feel like NPF is a significant downgrade anywhere else on the line compared to who could compare to what he is at right tackle? Yeah, do you remember the conversation we had kind of last year at camp where we were like, all right, who are the five best? They may not be the best at their position, but who are the five best? And it always kind of included Dylan Radens as a guard, you know? And I think we were kind of having that conversation before anybody else. I, here's the thing. I, I, I am in on Darnell Wright. I think he's going to be a good football player for a while in the NFL. Uh, he has pedigree. He developed in college. He showed growth and progress and got really, really good and realized his sort of five-star potential. I think he's going to do that in the NFL. I don't know if it's left tackle. It might be guard. It might be right tackle. The question is, if you're going to be picked at 11 overall, you better be the best guard in the draft, full stop, not even close. You better start day one at left guard, and you better start all 17 games. <laughs> yeah. Like You better be very, very sure that this guy is very, very, very good. Now, here's what I would say. I also don't think he gets to you at 41. Darnell Wright, to me, is a perfect trade-back candidate. See, I think Anton... Perfect. Pearson is the perfect trade back candidate if we're going tackles to tackles here. Um, so that you know, I would trade back and I would pick up Anton uh Harrison instead. I just even if they're both on the board at like not t- at 20 or man, 22 or whatever. God, I almost just want them to draft Darnell Wright just so we don't have to hear every fucking UT fan talk about it for the rest of time. Because I'm so sick of seeing the Trey Smith <laughs> shit that I, I just tired of it so it's almost like i just want him to do it selfishly uh it's just where do you put them then where do you put npf so like building okay here's here's your guys to choose from you got aaron brewer at center right okay he's your only i guess brunskill could be a center so you can kind of include it so you got brewer brunskill uh jamarco jones dylan radens andre dillard npf darnell Wright. where how are you putting them on the field so I think it's a good question. Um, it's funny. By the way, it's funny. I think the Tennessee thing goes both directions. Like I'm so tired of hearing Tennessee fans bitch that they didn't take uh, uh, Trey Smith, but I'm also tired of Tennessee people talking about when they do take a Tennessee player. 
like, oh, Theo Jackson, oh, Josh, you know, Josh Malone, like whatever. It, uh, here's the thing. I think creating competition at left tackle and, and giving yourself a second option is that for you, though. It, it, well, it, you, you give yourself a better option. I also think Brunskill could play. He talked about it. He could play left guard or right guard. So if right had to go to the right side, for example, um, if right is just that good and takes the left tackle spot, then then that's good. You find out where to put Andre Dillard. I, I, I get what you're saying about the puzzle pieces here. Like it's not, it's, it's just like, then again, are we just waiting for like 30 weeks into the season or starting with the off season all the way into the regular season, like midway point of trying to fucking figure out where this off yeah. the offense. Like, I'm just sick of it. I just want the offensive line <laughs> for one fucking season to be set at like mini camp and let them play it all out instead of these stupid competitions Oh, well, we got to try Jamarco Jones and let's rotate him in over at left tackle. Oh, Dylan Radins, let's put him everywhere but left tackle. Like, figure it out. And here's the thing, and Stoney brings this up, and I've heard a lot of people talk about this. He's like, what if they just replace NPF with, uh, I think he meant right with NPF altogether. Oh, yeah. I, you know, he's got right. He's got NPF with right correct. altogether. He's got, he's got right. Well, that's fine, but now you still have to find another offensive lineman. Yes. So here's the, I, I will like, say this. this it, the right thing just does not make yeah, sense. It doesn't fit. It does not fit at 11 to me. Again, unless you, unless you think you can move Dillard and he's your starting left tackle, 1 million percent right out of the gate, it doesn't make any sense to me at 11. Now, here's what I would say. If you think Harris he's guaranteed. makes sense to me. Yeah, that, that's better. He's far more of a, a potential left tackle. Here, here's the, I, I don't, here's the thing about MPF, and I know, your boy Herndon is sort of out on him or in and out on him a little bit, sort of both. Yeah, it only took a few bad games for him to be like, I'm abandoning the ship. Um, he stuck with Taewon Taylor longer than he stuck with I, MPF. I think it is way too, too early to get to, to even start having that conversation about MPF. I think yeah. he, he's, he's always been a project. He, he was a big time recruit. He had took him a long time to develop at Ohio state, but he got pretty good. It's going to take him some time. He showed flashes. He just hit, he hit a rookie wall. The rest of the line wasn't giving him much help. The quarterback was injured. Like, I think it's way too early to make a definitive decision on a very talented upside, but also raw prospect in MPF, who I think has some, a lot of growing to do. I just think it's way too early to get rid of a guy with that kind of potential. So, or, or, or be, you know, just out altogether as Stoney says. So I'm not, I think MPF has a lot of opportunity to, to, to grow into a player that's, a permanent piece somewhere on the offensive line. Um, uh, all right. So qu quickly with Darnell, Wright, That brings us to Peter Skaronsky as well. And I guess the question is why have they not been linked yeah, to Peter Skaronsky? I found that, find that odd is that he has not been linked whatsoever and he's super athletic, right? He's obviously a guard because I mean, he's just a T-Rex armed individual, but you know, the, I, they didn't go to this pro day. To, to uh, the, the main people did not go to this pro day. I'm sure scouts went and all that stuff. We haven't heard of a top 30 visit. We heard of no combine interviews, whether formal or informal. Um, no virtual meetings. No extensive, uh, shown of extensive interest in them. Like, there's nothing tying the Tennessee Titans to Peter Skaronsky. And maybe, maybe Stoney's right in that it is a smokescreen of some sort. Mm. But at the end of the day, I, I I don't know if he has the the NFL level strength you're looking for and the power at the point of attack. That's been a big question mark for him. And maybe they're just like, look, you know, we really, really want Paris Johnson. And if it's not Paris Johnson, we're going quarterback. Or if it's not quarterback, we're going this or that. And maybe they're just not showing any interest to Peter Skronsky just because they don't have any interest in Peter Skronsky. I don't know. The, and so it, here's what's interesting to me about, about Skronsky as a prospect. I, I really am fascinated by how we perceive players and when they sort of grow into being high level prospects or fall out, right? Like some guys like Trayvon Walker skyrocketed because of the combine, right? Like it, there's guys that skyrocket late in their career. There's guys that skyrocket during the interview process that like guys go up and down at different times of this process. And what I think is interesting about Peter Skaronsky is that he came into the season last year in college football as basically the number one offensive lineman prospect in the country. And he's kind really? of coming because at I, I wondered because I look at his stats from the previous season, not this last season, and they were just kind of mediocre. 
So no, I just he, I he find was, that odd that that he was. He was preseason top ten pick in August, hmm. and so for him to sort of still be in the same spot means to me that the evaluations seem pretty accurate. Now, if he falls to like twenty nine, then then we'll know something was up, right? I'd but, be very surprised if he did. I just I just I find it curious that there they there is no reported interest whatsoever so far. Now. Normally, with a draft pick, there is some reported interest at some point in the process. May not be a combine interview, may not be a top 30 visit. Maybe they just came in for a private workout. Maybe they just did this or that, or they talked to him at the Shrine Bowl, or they talked to him somewhere. But usually, there's some at least one area where they talk to at least one player, and they haven't talked any about Peter Skronsky. And I just it, I, I found that odd so far. It's hard to hide like everything. Is what yeah. we're saying, right? Like eventually you kind of get to a point where you you see something. Um, all right. Speaking of something, how about having dinner with a player privately before their pro day? Tyler Scott, wide receiver, 5'10", 4'4", guy, very different from what is the Titan way, big physical kind of outside blocking receiver. Uh, this is a guy who does something very different for them. I think going in a different direction at this position is interesting. He is not a first-round pick. This is a big play guy, 17 yards uh, per per reception with two bad kind of bad quarterbacks after Desmond Ritter left last year at Cincinnati. Um, he has, I believe, 10 touchdowns of 30 yards or more over the last two seasons. He is a big play threat. He does the thing that the Titans need. What do you make in or out? Is this a guy at 41? That you think is on the board probably still is. Do you think it's good value in or out, Tyler Scott? Uh, I I'm in on Tyler Scott. I am halfway out at in the second round. I think he's a third round pick all day. And I will say this about Tyler Scott is that I when I look at him, and I've I've talked about this a, a couple of different times is he is Tyler Lockett. And it's a Tyler Tyler comparison. They're almost the exact same height coming out. They have the exact almost uh, the uh, in fact he's a little bit more athletic than Tyler Lockett. But I feel like he has that outside inside versatility that people underrate. Because people underrated Tyler Lockett like that his whole career about putting him on the outside. He can't do that. I feel like Tyler Scott is that kind of guy. Um, I think he's everything you're looking for in a wide receiver as far as what the Tennessee Titans are needing. But I feel like when I look at him you'll see a guy that's kind of flown under the radar. He, he got, he was really hyped up before the senior bowl, like a couple of weeks before the senior bowl, there was the clip of like him running, like blazing fast by everybody and catching a deep ball and all this kind of stuff. And, and he, um, he just blew by everybody. Right. And so that clip made the rounds. And then he kind of went, everybody's expecting sub four, three, and he went 4-4-4 at the Combine and all this kind of stuff. But what I find interesting about him is that he's in a really high percentile when it comes to what he did in college as a receiver. He's a 40, he has a 41% college dominator rating, which 35% is the baseline. Like if you want to be considered a high high potential to be a number one wide receiver, you got to have at least 35% and he's at 41%, which is the 85th percentile among wide receivers. Then he has a college uh, yards per reception of 16.6, which is 76th percentile. And then his college target share is 24.8, which is 73rd percentile. And he's young and he's fast and he's little because he can play inside and outside. He'll do everything you need to do. I am all in on Tyler Scott. I do think that the value there is better in the third round i'm not gonna you know throw my hands up and be all pissed off unless they're taking to tyler scott over darnell washington but <laughs> I'll, I'll be all right at 41 if it's tyler scott but like i think i think he's a third round pick or like a, picking up an extra pick somewhere if you trade back or whatever. it's like your two children there on uh, which yeah. weapon do you want to give Tannehill? Um, i'm very excited about tyler scott I, I think they're taking Tyler Scott at 41. <laughs> I, I think there's a, there's, that's what I think it's happening. a very likely chance. I mean, they did a virtual meet. So six days ago when the, or seven days ago when the pro day was going on, they obviously had the dinner before the pro day. They spent extensive time with them at the pro day. They were very involved there. And now they've, it's been reported that they've had a, one of uh, a virtual meeting 
between Tyler Scott and Rob Moore. I mean, that's a lot of smoke. Yeah. Oh, and and right oh, there. by the way, who was the guy responsible for developing him in college? BFF, Mike Vrabel. BFF. Oh, that's right. Mike Vrabel's roommate. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so he knows a lot. He knows everything there is to know about Tyler Scott. And if they have him penciled in as a high second round pick, I trust their evaluation process on this guy. So, and, yeah. and frankly, he does the thing that no one else on the roster does. And, and on top of it, the more we get closer to the draft and the, and the, and the less we've seen them do at the position, the more they're going to need not one, but maybe two guys to play that position out of this draft class. And one guy has to be like almost an immediate starter. Yeah. So that like that number two pick does look like a receiver. I know Jalen Hyatt's been mocked to them at times. They're going to get a good look at him today. So we'll uh, Scott is the first name that's really at that position has popped off as he's probably available at 41. He's clearly a guy that they like, and he fills a huge position of need and does something different than what they have on their roster. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why it makes sense. Doesn't mean he's going to be great. Doesn't mean he's going to suck. It just means that there's a lot of strategy that's sound there. Um, uh, let's go to Florida here uh, quickly. Uh, all brought to you by Sinkers and the Kingston Group here on a football show. Um, Osiris Torrance at guard. They've been linked to him. He is largely considered the best interior offensive lineman. Everyone, I it's everyone's the, the, the phrase day one starter comes up all the time with him. Um, he's clearly a guard. He's not going to be a tackle. I, I am out on him at 11. No question about that. If they trade back to 24, 25, 26, 28, somewhere in there, and he's available, I, I could get behind it because he sort of is a guy you can pencil in with, with good playing strength. Um, we'll get to Anthony Richardson in a second. Carthon's down there at Florida right now. Osiris Torrance, in or out? I'm out. He he he's if you look at all the moves that they have made on the offensive line so far and everything they have said about what they want in the offensive line, Osiris Torrance doesn't fit it. He's he's not athletic out in space. He's not fast off the snap. I I get it. Like if you are running like a bunch of hog mollies out there and they're all going to go out there and just push whoever's in front of them to the ground that that's fine. Like if you're talking like your offensive lineman only needs to cover like a few inches off, off the line of scrimmage, Osiris Torrance is your guy. I feel like he is not a fit for this scheme. I feel like he's going to do wonders in another scheme. That is not this one because if you have Andre Dillard way out in front of him and on Aaron Brewer way out in front of him, cause you would assume he'd start at left guard. Then it, it just, it's, it doesn't make sense from a way that you run the football or pass protect to ha have him be so far behind the other two athletically. And and he is, he's just not an athletic guard. And when you're talking about in the first round and you look at who's available and who they've shown uh, interest in, they've shown interest in Steve Avila, who's the second round pick Braden Daniels, who's like a fourth, fifth round, uh, interior offensive lineman, Mark Evans, um, you know, I think Jalen Duncan, who's super athletic, who's an offensive tackle at Maryland, he can shift into. I think he's going to be better suited to shift into guard. Like those guys are all athletic, all available later on in the draft and present better value. I just don't see the value even if you trade back for Osiris Torrance. What's What's interesting to me is when I when I evaluate Torrance, who's sort of like the big, strong, physical mauler, but not going to get out on like you know, these really creative San Francisco style polling formations where he's right. out in space blocking for like a D Debo Samuel player or whatever. Um, it, it reminds me of old Titans. It, it, like he, he yeah, really, yeah. like if you told me John Robinson was drafting Osiris Torrance at 28 for the Derrick Henry pr prime of his career, 2020 Titans, I'd be like, that makes sense. He's, he, he's, he's a Jeff Fisher offensive lineman. Like <laughs> that to me, like if this was Jeff Fisher football, it would be Osiris Torrance all day long at number 11. And we couldn't stop it, and there would be nothing we could do about it. <laughs> I think what's – and this this is maybe a larger conversation we need to have is, like, the evolution of Vrabel. Like, he reminds me of – like, are we going to see Vrabel 2.0 with Rand Carthon and Tim? Like. It, it's it's how it feels. And so if it, if it ends up being Vrabel 2.0, he doesn't feel like he fits into Vrabel 2.0. He feels like he fits very well with Vrabel 1.0. But maybe Vrabel has said to himself inside, and this is why Carthon's there. This is why Tim Kelly's there. This is why they're doing the things they're doing with cutting players and and changing their philosophy. Is he knows he has to evolve too, mm -hmm. and it's no longer bully ball with Derrick Henry and Roger Saffold. Like it, it's different now. Um, what about Anthony Richardson? I I am 
I'm sort of on the record as if they go all in to go up to three and get Richardson, I, I will be fascinated to watch it all unfold. Um, he's he's pro- I've seen him mocked as high as two. I've seen him mocked at one. Oh, Anthony Richardson, what I don't even know how to ask in or out because he's not going to be there at 11. <laughs> I, I think there is a possibility he could be there at 11. Um, mm. I mean, I, I wouldn't rule it out that, you know, other teams are going to pass them. I don't think the Colts like anybody here. I am not sure that the Raiders are going to take a chance on those guys as well. Like they, it just something about Anthony Richardson and Will Levis's placement right now in these drafts just feels a little off to me. So I feel like there is a chance for Anthony Richardson. So I'm in at Anthony Richardson at 11. Oh, I am all the way out on Anthony Richardson at number three. It, now I, here's, here's how I need to, put a caveat in this. I totally understand why they would trade up for number three to number three to draft Anthony Richardson. If young and Stroud are off the board, totally understand it. They, they identified that he is their guy. He went up and get it. Do not blame the strategy. It's a hard pill to swallow risk wise, because if he doesn't pan out, then you've traded away a bunch of players for essentially what you already had behind Ryan Tannehill, which is Malik yeah. Willis. Right. Um, and that's, that's, that's his floor, right? His floor would be Malik Willis. His ceiling is like the best Josh player. Allen, the- Patrick yeah. Mahomes, best player in football, most electric yeah. player in football. You know, Oh God, that sounds fun though. Doesn't it? <laughs> but it does. It sounds great, but it's it like that. What you have to give up matters. Yeah. And it's going to be really hard. I'd be I'd be fine with it. I'd be very much like, let's wait and see, let's ride it out, and let's see what happens. In that instance, though, I, I agree. Someone said today, and I kind of agree with it, and I'm gonna throw it out there to you. If you draft Anthony Richardson, just let him fucking play. Mm. Day one, week one. Listen, he's he he is inexperienced. He needs experience. He needs reps. Trade Ryan Tannehill. Make up for trading Richardson up to the top. I don't think I, he needs to sit behind anybody. Uh, I'm very torn on that. Um, I I think, as we've talked about, there's a difference between raw and inexperienced. He's inexperienced. I would I think learning from Tannehill is a very valuable way to go about life. I think you could do a lot worse as a quarterback than learning behind Ryan Tannehill for a year. Um, I think Tannehill is great at at, at showing people how to be a professional. I don't think he's great at throwing passes in the playoff games, but I think he's great at showing people how to be a professional. I think he's a good leader. I think he's a good dude in the locker room. I, I think he would be a great example for Richardson to follow and for the, for the organization to, to exhibit patience with Richardson, I think is smart too. So I'm not, I get, I also understand the other side of the argument, which, and you didn't say it specifically, but there's a whole thing of like, if you don't like, there's always this thing in, in college quarterbacks and with young NFL quarterbacks, like, hey, if they're going to throw a bunch of interceptions and they get benched, well, then you're going to break their confidence. To which I say, then they're not QB1. If getting benched one time ruins your career, you ain't it, dude. So I also see that side of this, which is get out there and take reps, man. Be the starting quarterback and just every day get better. And every time you're out there, you're you're getting better because you're getting reps. So I see both sides of it. I, I, I honestly do. Um, it's probably up to whether or not he's good enough. How about this? Are you in on going to seven? Let's say that he's available at seven. And the Raiders move back to 11 and it costs you less to go up and get him, but you get him at seven in the middle in or out, man. It's just, man, it's tough. It's tough. Cause this team right now needs so much. It needs there. It needs six players. Like this team needs six players in this draft. So what, how do you get those six players in this draft? Even with free agency, you still got to get six players in this draft. And that that's, it's a hard pill for me to swallow especially if he's not going to play like what? that to me, the big thing, like if you're not going to play him, this, this team does not need a quarterback to sit behind. I, I know that sounds weird because I know this quarter, this team needs a good franchise quarterback, but it needs the franchise quarterback now playing now, in my opinion, I'm to this point where I'm just like, it just doesn't make sense from a cost value, pers- you know, outlook on things and maybe i shouldn't look at it that way but it's just hard for me not to look at it that way that like can you give up essentially is anthony richardson worth two or three players in this year's draft 
I, if, if he's the guy you think he is and you're convicted in him, I would say a hundred percent. Yes. Uh, that's, that's, it's, it's, I understand that that's their logic behind it, but that's tough yeah. to put, put forth my faith in, I the, guess the, I should he, say. Here's the other thing. Let's say you go up to seven and you have to give up a pick to do it or two or whatever. And you're down those, you need six players. Now you've only got one, or maybe you're only going to get four. What it allows you to do is maybe trade Ryan Tannehill at a lower price point to get a couple of fourth rounders. And I'm with that, but then like, that's what I'm saying. That's why I said as like, you got to trade Ryan Tannehill yeah, in my opinion yeah. to, to make it worth your while. I, I, I feel I, like you don't have to, but it's the best, the best way to go about it is kind of like, you know, the best way to go about getting Lamar Jackson is waiting after the draft and giving up next year's first round picks. Right. The best way for the Tennessee Titans to get Anthony Richardson is if you trade up, you need trade Tannehill. And you just gotta roll with it. You just yeah. gotta you gotta you gotta roll with your conviction. If you're that convicted that you're gonna trade up, you should be that convicted he can start week one, day one. Okay. I, I can be on board with that. And as a person who gets to enjoy the ride, cover the ride, but doesn't live and die with the ride, <laughs> I would love for Anthony Richardson to be here as a prospect and as an as a as a content point for the next 10 years, like or five years or whatever. Um again, as someone who roots for my city to do very well. I root for the Titans and the Packers to play in the Super Bowl every single year. That is my goal as a football fan. Um, but I do not live and die with the Titans like you you fans do. For for media brain guy over here, well, I trading up to get Anthony Richardson is like the greatest thing that could happen. <laughs> Just from, from like a content standpoint. Uh, let's all right. Let's beat the proverbial uh, bluegrass pony to death here. <laughs> Hold on, Will Levis. Because uh, I don't even know if we need to have the conversation. Will Levis is turning people off left and right, apparently, in all of these meetings. Not, not just surprise. Not just with the Titans, but with everybody else. Uh, I'm not even sure how long we don't really do. We even need to have this conversation. In or out on Will Levis. I don't think he's going to go that first round. And let me say, I'll be so fucking unbearable on this show. <laughs> not towards you, but just towards speaking into the ether to our audience. Yep, I'll be yep. so unbearable on football under the F-words. I'll be so unbearable on stacking the inbox. And I'll be so unbearable <laughs> on Twitter itself. It's doing a big old round of a victory lap. I mean, it may yeah, be a three-mile half marathon, full marathon victory lap if he does not go in the first round. Where where does the victory what what pick? Does the victory lap begin? Like if he falls to 18, 20, or is it just the first oh, round? He, he has to. He falls out past the Tennessee Titans after 11, there will be a massive victory lap. Okay. Cause I think, I don't think he that goes. will be top. revving up. I, I don't think he's going top. I think he goes like 15 to 18 because somebody trades up to get him. I, after, I get a little scared. Falls. I get a little scared of the Minnesota Vikings drafting Carson Wentz 2.0. Uh, to go with uh, Kirk Cousins behind him. That would be like, th if they get past 25, they get past the Minnesota Vikings, I'm feeling pretty good about him dropping out of the first round. And I think there's a really good chance that he drops out of the first round. Stoney says, I feel it. Stoney says, Richardson and Levis are locks for the top 10, quote unquote, feels like an awful lot like five quarterbacks in the first round felt last year. He is right about half of that. He is absolutely right about Levis. He is absolutely wrong about Richardson. Yeah, I I feel like there is a chance though that Richardson could fall straight to eleven, it. just I because there's just so many top end players that you know are for sure things, and shouldn't you be drafting as a team the for sure thing if quarterback is not your position of need? Because really, the Raiders, the Lions, these guys, they have their stop gaps that they don't necessarily have to have a quarterback. Yeah, Titanic says unpopular opinion. The Colts do not draft a quarterback. That's kind of been think Zach's that's that unpopular. That's, that's been Zach's take for a couple of weeks now. I, here's my unpopular take. I, I, I don't think they draft one in the first round. Let me say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've been saying that for a little while. I, I think uh, my very unpopular take is that Anthony Richardson goes number one. Well, I will say this: I have heard that C.J. Stroud is not the guy at number one, and I have heard that certain testing measurements are not that great for CJ. Mm, mm. I wonder who nah, I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> I, know, I know exactly where I know exactly where uh, those measurements sources no. came from. <laughs> no, you don't. It's um, not from, it's not from any of the usual suspects. So this is actually someone completely. Different. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right, there you go. Sinkers draft party. I have heard it's Anthony Richardson or Bryce Young, but I heard it's Bryce Young. There you go. Uh, Sinkers we'll draft party, April 27th. A football show will be live when the Titans go on the clock. We're going to have free food, free booze, open bar, private event for just our best listeners. And, of course, um, 
obviously courtesy of sinkers tickets to be on sale. All the money is going to go to the proceeds are going to go to benefit our kids charity here in Nashville, which um, helps sexually abused children. The Kingston group is also a big supporter of our kids as well. So make sure you check out them buildkg.com Two great, awesome locally owned businesses that sponsor this show and uh, go check out sinkers in East Nashville. Go check out bluegrass up in Hendersonville. They've got great VIP uh, sort of access to allocations. They're going to do some really cool stuff for you listeners this summer. Trust me, I've already heard about them. They are very right, Zach. Can you back me up on this? Some yep. really cool stuff planned. Um, oh yeah, for, for you listeners this summer as well. So we'll let you know some more information about that. But we're excited about our draft party. We're going to have some giveaways as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a big old time, a uh, big old screen there in in, uh, in in Wedgwood, Houston. So hopefully you guys can get there and hang out with us. So otherwise, have a great weekend. At least try to. Um, I know it's been a tough week in Nashville, but everybody have a great weekend. Uh, Stackintheinbox.com, football and other F-words, Broadway Sports Media, the Kingston Group, Sinkers, 440 Sports. Uh, thank you guys all for hanging out with us and being a part of the distraction this week. We do appreciate you. Uh, at F-words Pod on Twitter, at Braden Gall. I think that's about it, Zach. Uh, otherwise, have a great weekend, everybody. This has been a football show. Yeah.